chapter 1, the book of Joshua. It will come up on the screen as well. Joshua is in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then uh, Joshua is just, uh, just after that. And so while you're turning there, we are in a kind of a message series at the moment, which is called Make a Move on the screen uh, behind me. And these same words, make a move, are the words that we've given to our year in, in terms of our vision for this year. We believe God's saying to us in this new season, hey, it's time to make a move. And so just to do a quick recap, like a 30-second one, three weeks ago, as part of this vision to make a move, we unveiled plans to literally do that very thing. We feel like God in this new season is calling us to shift out of our current uh, location. We believe that God's calling us into community, calling us to where the people are, and, and so moving out of the CBD. There's a whole lot of things that have got to happen and fall into place, a whole lot of prayers that got to get answered. And so, um, but we really feel like it's time for us to step into something new. I believe it's part of what Haniana's feeling and others are feeling. Man, there's something going on here. Something's about to crack open. And so we've just been faithful to what we, uh, what we hear the whispers of God doing. And, and uh, there's a little bit of information for you on this Make a Move booklet if you haven't got one out in the foyer, I believe. And it tells you just a little bit more info. Check out our podcast, any of the messages about that. And as we progress through some of the things we've got to do, we're making initial uh, inquiries about venues and different things. As we find out stuff, we'll let you know. Come and talk to me if you, if you have any questions or even uh, suggestions. But as part of this series, Make a Move, last week, if you can remember that far back, sometimes I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I, I shared out of the book of Exodus, if you can remember that, around the account of Israel being taken out of Egypt. Do you remember that? And uh, this morning, I want to share from the book of Joshua, uh, where Israel are being brought into the promised land. Last week, we looked at, at Israel being taken out of some place. Now we're going to look at Israel being taken into a place. They were taken out of one place so that they could be brought into another. That's really important to, to understand. When God takes you out of something, it's because He wants to lead you into something else. Come on, am I just preaching to my wife this morning? When God takes you out of something, He wants to put you into something else. Amen? Amen. And so, and so sometimes, you know, we get so upset when one door closes. We get so frustrated when, when a season feels like it's ending around us, but we forget to realize that God often takes us out of things to put us into something better, something greater. We can't always see it. Someone once said, when God shuts one door, He always opens another, but it can be hell in the hallway, right? And so, but God will open doors when he shuts, shuts uh, another. Don't focus on what might be closing behind you or what you've been taken out of, but rather focus on what he might be leading you into. And so we're going to just take a little bit of an exploration into, uh, into the scriptures this morning and take a look at what Israel were being brought into and what actually God needed them to do, coming out of an old season, stepping into a new one. And I, and I feel like that's us as a church right now. There's a new season that God has put upon us, and we've got to step into that. I, I love uh, last week we had Jan and Alex Diarth, who were sent last uh, Sunday after, again, Southeast Asia. And uh, they prayed for us and prayed over us. Um, before they left for Thailand. In fact, they're probably listening, we're going to be listening to this message. So why don't we all say hi, Jan and Alex? Hi, Jan and Alex. 
right, we love you, Jen and Alex, if you're listening, listening to this. But um, they read out this passage from Job 36, which seems like a strange thing to read something and declare it over us from the book of Job. But it, it, it's a powerful uh, little scripture here. It says this, you'll remember this, that God is wooing you. How many know that God is wooing? He is, he is enticing you forward into new things. God is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place, free from restriction, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. What a powerful passage. God, he is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place, free from restriction, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. God is inviting, inviting you. He's, he's drawing you out. He's saying, come on, come, come this way. Come out of one place. Come out of that place of limitation. Come out of that place of perhaps constraint. Come out of that place. Come into a spacious place free from restriction. And as I'm reading the Bible, as I'm looking at different passages, I see many times that the heart of God for this very thing, this invitation, the heart of God to see people move from one place to another, to see people come out of one place and be brought into another. Right through, right throughout the scriptures, from freedom to, to, from restriction to freedom, from slavery to promise, as we've been looking at the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, from bondage to liberty, from sin to righteousness, from pain to peace. We just heard that actual thing happening where God took someone like Hanayan and said, listen, I'm taking you out of this and I'm bringing you into this new season. This is what God does. This is how incredible he is. This is his, his, this is his modus operandi, that he takes us out and brings us in. And this wonderful life of faith, this wonderful journey of faith with walking with God and having this real relationship with him, it's a relationship of love. And, 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 uh, and, and yet so often, we, and even as Christians, we kind of sell this life of faith as one where the road is narrow and it's very hard and it's difficult. Oh, it's a, it's a hard road, this road of life. Ooh, it's tough. It's, it's hard. And, and, and we quote passages of Scripture like Jesus saying in Matthew seven thirteen, enter through the what? The narrow gate, right? For wide is the gate and broad, right? Broad is the, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And so we picture this really tight path, right? This, this narrow road that, that you know, leads to heaven with just a few faithful people just trying to get through to heaven's gates. You know, we're just trying to get there. And, and then there's this highway over there to hell, right? There's this freeway with people going, oh, this is awesome. And then, I mean, I, I remember actually a painting that was done of Matthew 7 where there was that very thing, just this, this little path and, and things. I want to suggest if that's been your perspective or even your interpretation of Matthew 7, you may have this a little bit long, uh, wrong. Let me just explain to you. Jesus said it was the road that leads to life that was narrow, right? Leave that behind me. The gate that takes you through to life is what he said was small. But listen, I want you to hear this. Once you enter through that gate, once you find life, then narrow that road is no longer. 
It's, it's not that the Christian life is narrow or the Christian life is a difficult walk. It's that the road and gate that leads to it is. Let, let me explain. Jesus, I don't believe in here Jesus was talking about the afterlife. I don't think he was talking about heaven or hell. He was talking about himself. He was saying, listen, I am the gate. I am the way into to, to life. And the road and gate that led to him, the narrow road is the fact that you are going to have to die to self. And that is going to be hard. That's going to be tricky. That's going to be all about you giving up and surrendering and, and stop living a life of self-pleasure and self-effort and self, 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 self. The road of living for yourself, satisfying yourself. Plenty are on that road, right? Plenty of people are doing whatever they want to do. They're living for themselves. They're doing everything they want to do, pleasing themselves. They're number one. There's plenty on that road, and it's a broad highway. It is a broad freeway, and it's leading to destruction. But the road to life is narrow, even unpopular, because you've got to give up. You've got to hand over. You've got to trust your life to something else or some, someone else. And the gate which leads to life, Jesus said, is small. Listen, because it's through Jesus. Jesus is the gate. He's the only way in. He's the only way in. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the door, Jesus said. I am that entry point into that life. And listen, no one else and nothing else is going to get you through to that life except coming through Christ. He is the only way, he said of himself, to get to the Father. That's a narrow gate. That's a, narrow, that's a narrow way. But while the path and the gate that lead to life is narrow and small, listen, on the other side of the threshold, on the other side of that doorway, on the other side of that gate, there is a spacious place. There is a broad place that God wants to walk with you into. There is a place without restriction. Listen, God's not called you into a place of constraint. He's not called you out of a life of restriction, out of the jaws of distress, into a life of constraint and smallness. Do you agree? Right? Like that's, that's not the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. God's not called you into a place of constraint. He's calling you out from that and into something broad, into something beautiful. Come on, maybe I just have to convince you a little bit more this morning before we jump into Joshua. I haven't forgotten. It says this in 2 Samuel twenty two thirty seven: You what? You broaden. You broaden the path beneath me. God takes us out and he broadens the path beneath us so that our feet do not slip. Freedom and liberty and peace and joy are the result. They are what happens after we walk through the narrow gate that leads to life. And so it's kind of ironic that Christianity is often viewed by the world as constrained and restrictive. It's the absolute opposite. And if you're experiencing restraint, then we want to pray for you that you would receive freedom over your life. Give me a couple of scriptures here. Psalm 18 verse 19 says that God brought me out into a what? A spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He brought me out and he brought me into a spacious place. 
Psalm 31 verse 8 says, You have not handed me over to the enemy, but you've set my feet in a spacious place. A spacious place. In Exodus 3, we looked a little bit at this last week. The account of God causing, calling Israel. He says, The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them, listen, up out of that land, a land of slavery, a land of bondage, and listen, and bring them into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Right there is the timeless, endless promise of God to take people out and into, from to something new, something spacious uh, and broad. And he does the same to us. I wanna tell you, friend, if you don't know Jesus, if you're listening to this this morning, you've wandered in, God is, he is totally interested in your freedom. He is very much interested in, your, in the redemption of your life and bring you, bringing you out of one place and into another, of giving you life, not taking life from you, not making it difficult, not making it a hard thing. It's a hard decision to surrender and let go and trust God. There is a step we need to take, but listen, out through that door, the door of Christ is a broad space. Anyway, anyway. Joshua chapter one, and we looked last week at, at the nation of Israel as they came up out of Egypt and how they really struggled to recognize the new season they were, that they were actually in at that point of time, that the door that God had opened up for them, the door that he wanted them to walk through, the, the, the old season that he wanted them to leave behind. And you know the story of Exodus. I'm just jumping from Exodus to Joshua here. and trying to build a little bridge. So this journey that, that uh, they went on from Egypt to the promised land, it wasn't an easy one, right? That went for a long, a long time. I've, I've looked up different kind of articles about what was the distance between Egypt and Canaan, which was the promised land. There's some sort of various uh, sort of uh, dimensions given, but if you drew a straight line, apparently it's only like a 250-mile journey, uh, about a, a month's walk if you were just to be really focused and maybe not have any drinks breaks. But it took them 40 years, right? 40, 40 years, not 40 days. It's like, it's like someone setting off after lunch today from Nelson to Christchurch, you plan on getting there sometime next month, but instead you arrive in 2059, right? That, that's, there's some context. That's, that's kind of what happened there. Come on, we're going out, we're going out, and then 40 years later, they go in. It was a long time because what well, God is in the business of taking you out from one place, listen, it's our responsibility to move into the new thing, to move into the, into the promise, like, like deliverance and, and release and rescue, the way of escape, that's God's work. That's what he, he does so that we can then walk into promise. We can walk into our potential, into victory, into our, into our destiny. Psalm 40 verse two, I will get to Joshua. He says this, he lifted me out of the pit of despair. Right, listen, God is the one who lifts you out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and out of the mire. God set my feet on solid ground. He rescued me. He went into that place and he pulled me out of that place. But look what it says. And he steadied my feet as who? As I walked along. God does and what I gotta do. He pulls me out, 
I step in, I, I walk in. It's God who takes us out. It's God who opens the door of freedom, but we've got to walk along. He'll steady our feet. He'll put us on the path, but we've got to move. We've got to make a move. Israel's greatest obstacle was not what lay ahead of them, but it was actually what lay behind them, which was their greatest obstacle which is why it took so long for them to get into the promised land. And you read through the book of Exodus about their moaning and complaining, moaning and complaining about what? About why they couldn't go back to the old season. Moses, they complained. Why have you taken us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. Moses, we're hungry. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Moses, what should we drink? Have you brought us here to die of thirst? And on and on it goes, complaining because they could not recognize that actually a new door had been opened to them, a new season was upon them, but they couldn't walk through it. It sounds like a cliche, but God, as you've heard before, I'm sure, God had taken Israel out of Egypt, but Egypt was taking a whole lot longer to get out of Israel, right? Because they never stepped into the new season God had provided for them. Joshua chapter one, here we are. It says this in Joshua chapter one, verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. So here we read Moses, the leader who took them out, allowed God to take them out of one place, now has passed away. The season that God called them to step into had not happened yet, and so God raises up Joshua to then take those people to arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I'm giving you. There are three things that God says to Joshua, he asks them to do to move into their new season. And I, I think it's the same three things that we've got to realize when, when God's called us into new things, when we want, he wants us to step into something new. When he shut one door and opens another, these same three things I reckon we've got to get in our life as well. Number one, very simple, the first thing that they had to do was arise. It's gone ahead too many times there. Arise. Arise, God said to, to Moses. That Hebrew word for arise, not that it really means anything, but it, it's the word kum, kum. And when you look up the dictionary of that word kum, the Greek dictionary, it says this, to arise means to raise oneself up. It means to rear oneself up, to rise oneself up, to rouse oneself up, to set yourself up, to stand up, to stir up, to look up, arise, get up, get ready to move. Don't stay stationary. Don't stay still. If you feel like God's calling you into something new, something fresh, don't worry about the door closing behind you. Get ready to go into that new door, but you got to arise. You got you to gotta step up. Fix your eyes on him, prepare yourself, take up your position and get ready to move. Because Israel, if you know the context of Joshua 1, they were scamped. They were, they were, had set up their tents, they were camping down by the Jordan River, uh, literally over the other side of the Jordan River. If you look at your, the maps in your Bibles, you'll see that Canaan was just on the other side, right there in front of them. And, and for most of the year, apparently, and I had to do a little bit of study on this, the Jordan River, for most of the year, looked like a meandering stream. So you could have possibly taken a stone and kind of skipped it across the Jordan River to the other side into Canaan. 
But the book of Joshua later describes that at this point in time, the river was in full flood and the banks were completely uh, overflowing. And again, I, I, I discovered that at full flow, the Jordan River can be up to 180 meters wide, all right? So that's a, a long way, and it can be up to 30 meters deep. That's not going to be a stone skipped across uh, very easily. And so it was no small barrier that stood between Israel and the promised land in Joshua chapter 1. And I don't know maybe what stands between you and your promise. I don't know what, what seemingly unsurmountable chasm there, there may be for you for, that God wants you to step into. I'm not sure what circumstance it may be. I'm not sure what kind of obstacle it may, may, may look like in front of you. I don't know what kind of challenge may seemingly stand in the way between the place you've been and the place God's calling, to, calling you to come into. It may be a personal challenge. It might be a lack of resource. It could be God's timing. I don't know. It may be just because you're completely lazy. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what it might be. But listen, just this one thing, don't stay camped. Don't stand still. Don't, don't stay stationary. Fix your eyes on the promise. Don't, don't look behind you at the door shutting. Look at the door ahead of you. Prepare yourself. Rise up to make a move. God said to Israel, come on, arise. You want to go into, you want to step into, you got to make a move. The first thing you got to do is arise. Number two, secondly, God said to Joshua, go over. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. Problem is, for a lot of us, we, we kind of rouse ourselves. We, ma- we make those steps into things that we believe God's calling us to, but the currents of life kind of take us away from our destination. Like we start over here, but we kind of get dragged by the currents. You know, the currents are circumstance. The, the currents are things that just kind of happen to us, things we can't always control. They're distractions. They're the things that take us away from what God is wanting us to step into. And there are some rivers that are worth staying in, right? Like the river of life the Bible talks about, play in that river, blow up your lilo and just hang out in it. But some rivers take us nowhere good. And the Jordan River, like, like physically or literally, was not a great river to be kind of playing in, s- sitting in. It, was, it descends into this, the Dead Sea, this, the Salt Sea, which was aptly named because there was so much salt there, it was nothing could, no life could be sustained. It was, has anyone floated in the Salt Sea? A few people have. And, and, and it had no outflow. It didn't go anywhere. It just, it just went into this, into this dead end. The Jordan River led to a dead place where there was no life. See, God didn't, he said, listen, I want you to go over that. I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to be carried by the flow of this thing. I want you to go, I want you to rise up and I want you to go over this river. Do not stay in, the, in this one. And on your journey into that spacious place, into that new season, wherever it is on your journey of faith, that spiritual journey that God has you, has you on, that place of promise, make sure where you're moving to is leading you in the right direction. God said to Joshua, go over it. See, maybe what you're supposed to be going over, you've found yourself drifting in. What God has said going through, go over, you've found yourself stuck in that place. You're thinking, man, I've been floating around for years. That's right, I was supposed to be going through this. I was supposed to be getting to the other side, but I'm still right here. Drifting on down the river. Don't stay in that place. God says, go over it. Maybe what you're supposed to be pushing through, you got stuck in. We got to get out of the things that aren't going to produce life in us. 
that, do, that don't have any outflow. Think about some of those things. Man, I'm gonna put an end to that. I'm gonna go over, go over these things. Number three, arise, go over this Jordan. The last point here, you and all these people. Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. How's that for an announcement? Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I am giving them. This right here was a corporate call from God to the people of Israel to go together. Not one or two people will go check it out, you know, live there for a few years, come to, it was a call to go, to make a move together. God spoke to Joshua, but the call to move was about a nation, not a man. It was about a people, not a person. God was speaking to to a people group to go. A little bit later in verse 16 of Joshua 1, it says that that, uh, the people, they answered Joshua and they said to him, all that you command us, we will do and wherever you send us, we will go. And so they responded saying, yep, this is a call not for you, Joshua, to go over, but for us to go to go together, and they, as you know the story, they crossed the Jordan River, and together they entered the promised land, that good and spacious place. Now, I've summarized most of the Old Testament just there. There were a few battles to fight, a couple of wars, some enemies, there were some big fruit and lots of milk and honey, but it wasn't always easy, but they were still called to go together, not alone. And I believe as a church together, God is wooing us. He is inviting us in. He's saying, come on, make a move. There's a new season before you. Yes, this is a call for us to go together. Not, oh, I'll just wait and see what happens. I'll just, I'm coming, just, I'm coming. I've just got to do my shoelace up. A call, a call for us to go together. You heard from Haniana this morning. He's got a sniff of something, right? <laughs> and I pray that you, you get a sense of that too, that, Together, God is calling us to move into a season, I believe, a season of growth, a season of fruitfulness, a season where we get to dream and really see and discover all that God has. I'm getting hungry for lunch. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, why don't you come and just play, play the guitar? I'm not sure if Nate's going to go or not. But I just want to, I just want to finish, finish with this while Jimmy comes. I'm going to get Kent to just share some of the news and the notices before we, before we break for for lunch, I'm going to pray over us in just just a moment. In Genesis chapter 26, and I'm jumping all over the place here. This is well before any of the Exodus journey. You don't need to turn there. We read this little story about Isaac, who is living amongst the Philistines, and he begins to unstop the wells that his father Abraham had dug in that region. You may be familiar with the story. They've been filled up. They've been stopped with earth. It says in verse 19 of Genesis 26, just listen to my voice, it won't come up on the screen. It says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, that water's ours. So he called the name of that well Essek, which means strife, because they quarreled with him. Verse 21 says, then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one as well. So he called the name of that one Sitna, which means opposition, strife and opposition. And he moved from there and he dug another well, the last well that we read about, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful 
in this land. What's really interesting, just as I draw this to a close, is that that third well, Rehoboth, if you look at the Hebrew name of that, it means a spacious place. It means a broad place. That third well, there was opposition, there was strife. That third well that was dark means spacious place. And I believe over this church, we are coming into a season, not, not digging old wells, not digging wells that we've tried to dig before, wells maybe where there's been some opposition or there's been a little, I believe God's calling us to dig a new well, a new well and a new place and a new location and a new season. And that well, I believe, I want to just declare it over us this morning, is the well of Rehoboth, the spacious place, the broad place. I believe it's our time to move together. Why don't we bow our heads? and I pray God as we kind of wrap up this series of messages to make a move pray God that it would cause us to prepare ourselves to recognize to see what you're doing to see a door closing behind and a new one opening up in front of us God that you would and you have indeed lit up the path before us so that we may step into it. I I pray right now for any people here today and any people who are listening online, wherever there's been opposition in your life to the things of God, wherever there's been strife, wherever there's been difficulty and challenge, like it's just not gone the way that you would have hoped and you don't believe it's the way that God has for you. I just, I pray like the well of Rehoboth to open up before you. The spacious place, the broad place that you, God, bring us out of strife, bring us out of opposition where there's relational turmoil, relational friction. I, I, I see there's, there's, there's just friction over someone's marriage and their, and their relationships. And I just, I just declare the end of, end of strife and, and the end of opposition. And I prophesy and declare over that marriage and anyone else's relationships right now, Rehoboth, the spacious place. God, you are calling us out from the jaws of distress, from the jaws of opposition and strife to a spacious place free of restriction. I declare that over lives this morning that we would step into that broad place, which means we would step into freedom. Everything that is holding us back, every issue, every every heartbreak, every everything that we just feel holds us and pulls us, that constraint over our lives, I break in Jesus' name. Because we know, God, that you are about life in abundance, that you are about our freedom and our redemption. You are about our promises, God, the things that you've destined us to walk into, we lay hold of. We don't neglect or forget completely. We know where we've come from, but God, we look forward to where you're taking us to. I pray in Jesus' name that God indeed these days would be the best we have ever seen. I pray for every person, every marriage, every young person and everyone old. Your blessing, God, be over our lives as we recognize and step into this new season.